assistant pastor. I appreciate everything he does, and uh, he does a lot behind the scenes that you all don't see, and, uh, and that's a huge help, and I appreciate that. And I just wanted him to be able to preach. I know he's preached when I'm gone, uh, but I don't ever get to hear him. And so I thought, well, if I'll have him preach tonight, it'll be something a little different. The teens are in. There's no classes tonight. There will not be classes next Wednesday either uh, for shipmates or for the teens or for anything uh, just during the holiday season while school's on break. And, uh, and so you come ahead and uh, preach, and I appreciate you. Appreciate everything you do, brother. Thank you. All right. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I think I'm changing my message now since I'm on the chopping block. He's never heard me preach before. Um, so hopefully I don't preach heresy tonight and I don't get fired. Uh, that would be great. But uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Um, originally I actually had this message planned out for the young people. Uh, we had our Christmas party on Friday night. And uh, that was a great, great time. I kept saying about the mystery Christmas dinner, right? Well, they finally figured out what the mystery was. I actually wanted to show you guys what the mystery was exactly. We had a mystery uh, Christmas dinner. It was when we were Clue, all right? And so we had, we had a Clue night. And guys, you can go to that screen. And uh, here was the mystery, okay? So that was Pastor Rice. And uh, it says, welcome to Anchor Baptist Church. Oh. Your pastor, Pastor Shane Rice, has been knocked unconscious and he's the victim of foul play. Unfortunately, security cameras were not on, and we must solve this mystery. And uh, we had such a fun time. We, were, we, were, we had all the hallways taped out, and uh, they were marked as spaces that we got to roll the dice and go to different rooms, and, and, and we, were, we were just having a fantastic time playing that that night. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about a mystery tonight. And guys, we, we, can, be, we can put that away. But uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and starting in verse 14, um, here's what it says. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I love you. God, I pray you'd help me preach tonight. I pray you'd help me preach your word. And God, with, with your power and with your Holy Spirit unction, God, and I just pray tonight that our hearts would be softened to the message, and uh, Lord, that you would move in the only way that you can. God, I love you, and I pray this on your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk about this mystery tonight, and the, the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. You see, a mystery is something that is unknown, okay? A mystery is a profound secret. It's something that's wholly unknown or carefully concealed. That is what a mystery is. In religion, it is something that uh, in the character or the attributes of God or an economy of divine providence that, is not has, that has not been revealed to man. Okay, so here we have this mystery that we find in the Bible, right? And, and I love that we did that on Friday night because I was really gonna, God had put this on my heart to preach about the mystery of godliness, okay? So, and, and it says this, you ready? The mystery 
uh, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Godliness is God-likeness. Godliness is God-likeness. And so here is this mystery, and especially for the Jews at this time, they did not know of God coming into the flesh. And so here we have the mystery, right? This is the mystery that is, has been solved. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Just like how me and the young people were playing Clue that night, and some of you know how to play that game, and you've played it before, right? There's a little confidential case file. And in that confidential case file, it's a mystery. Nobody knows what's in there. And which, by the way, guys, I did not rig the game. I did not mean to win. In fact, I tried to lose. Believe it or not, Austin, I didn't want to tell you this, but I tried to lose because we were running out of time. I said, man, if I just need to lose, somebody else guesses. And then I guessed completely right. So when Austin and I brought our big brains together, I accidentally got, I won. <laughs> and so, but it was a mystery, right? We had this little confidential case file. And in there we, is the mystery, right? And we, in, in this case file would be who did it, with what weapon, and where, right? And so at the end of the night, we're, we're all trying to solve this mystery. And eventually, Austin and I got up in here, and suddenly we pulled out the cards, and now the cards were manifest unto us. You understand what I'm saying here? The mystery has been solved. The mystery was before our eyes. We can see it. We can read it. We, we know the mystery now, right? It's the same way in the Bible it says, uh, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Here's the mystery that's been solved. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. And I'm saying tonight that this mystery has been solved. 1 John chapter 1 in verse 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then it skips down to verse 14, what does it say? And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full, I love the statement, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. What else does the Bible say about God coming to the flesh? He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3 and verse 8. Galatians 4, 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. As Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the mystery. You ready? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It goes on and on in the Bible how God was manifest in the flesh. First Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Isn't that beautiful? How the, the word of God puts it, that God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. It goes on in 1 John again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Manifested unto us. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ was not just a prophet. He was not just a good guy. He was not just a man. He was the God-man. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. This is what the Bible's saying here. You ready? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. This is why we can celebrate Christmas. This is why we can celebrate on this precious day. Why? This is what we celebrate on Christmas. We celebrate the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh. By the way, I don't, I don't really understand, and I haven't really said this a whole lot, and I didn't know whether or not I was going to say it tonight. I don't understand when a Christian is disappointed that Christmas lands on a Sunday. We, we get to come to church, and we get to worship the Lord on Christmas Day. The world's not going to worship God on Christmas Day. Nobody else is going to worship God on Christmas Day. So what happens when the Christian says we won't have church and worship the day that we said we would worship? Come on. What happens to us when we don't worship the day we said that we were going to worship? The day that we chose to celebrate the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. What a miracle. What a miracle that is performed. That is why we can have Christmas. The Savior is born. He was born and he lived a sinless, perfect life. And so there's no question now. So what is godliness? Godliness is, is, is God-likeness. It's to be like God. And so there was this mystery. How can we be like God? How can we be like God? Well, you see, godliness... God-likeness is Christ-likeness. And you see, we can now know how to be godly because it's been revealed through the manifestation of God known as Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. You see, it used to be a mystery, but now this mystery has been solved because God was manifest in the flesh. And because of that, we can read about Jesus Christ's life and people have seen him and, and touched him and felt him and read about it. And they know now, what does godliness look like? It looks like Christ-likeness because God was manifest in the flesh. Praise God. We now know the mystery has been solved. Man, we don't have to play Clue to, to find out this mystery. We can read the Word of God. Amen. The mystery's been solved. What is godliness? Christ-likeness. What is Christ-likeness? How, how can we be like Christ? Well, we know that godliness is Christ-likeness, and it's revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the person of Lord Jesus Christ. But how can we be like Christ? That's the next question. How can we be like Christ? 
Notice what it says in 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. What's the next word? Justified in the spirit. Justified in the spirit. So how can we be like Christ? By walking in the spirit. By walking in the spirit. Do you realize that tonight, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you have the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead living inside you. You have the same spirit that was with Jesus Christ when he was raised up from the dead living inside you tonight. If you got saved, then you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And the question is tonight, great is the mystery of godliness. But here it is, ready? God was manifest in the flesh, justified by the spirit. And the same spirit that justified Jesus Christ, what does it mean to be justified? Let's define that. I like justification like this. Just as if I had never sinned. To be justified is, I like that definition a lot. Just as if I had never sinned. And so the same spirit, right? So the justification of Jesus Christ, right? He is without sin. The spirit claims that Jesus Christ is without sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. And what does the Bible say? When, when we get saved, we are justified by the Spirit. We are justified by the Holy Spirit of Christ. What does it say in Romans 8 and, chapter, and verse 1? It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. What does that word mean, no condemnation? No shame. No guilt. Man, there's nothing on you anymore. You don't have sin. Why? Because God's righteousness has been imputed onto you. And how did he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It's not your righteousness getting you to heaven. It's not your righteousness getting you, you to heaven tonight. No, not at all. It is God's justification. And it wasn't that he just swept your sin under the rug. No, he paid for it on the cross of Calvary. He paid for it. You are justified by the Spirit. There's been justice served. And if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior when you got saved, man, that justification happened and, and your soul was sealed to the day of redemption. And you are justified by the Holy Spirit. So first of all, so how do we be Christ-like? Great is the mystery of godliness. God-likeness. God-likeness is Christ-likeness. How do we be Christ-like? Like, by walking in the Spirit. How can we walk in the Spirit? How can we walk in the Spirit? How about this? By knowing God. By knowing God. How can we know God? By reading His Word. How can we, how can we know God? Like, I mean seriously know God. You may know about Him, but do you know God? How well do you know God? Is he your God? I'm not talking about you're not going to hell and you are going to heaven. I mean he's your everything. You see, God says this. He, God doesn't want any part of you, okay? God doesn't want any part of you. He wants all of you. God doesn't want any part of you. He wants all of you. How well do you know your God? Is he what is most important to you? Is he your everything? Is he your priority? Is he your mission? Do you know God? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? 
Because here's the mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness, Christ's likeness. How, how can we be like Christ? Well, first of all, it's amazing that the, the fact that we can look at Christ's life and now we can understand what godliness looks like. Because that was once a mystery, but now it's solved. Jesus Christ comes, and what is he? He's loving. He's kind. He's good. He's the good shepherd. He's amazing. He's behold our God. He's the creator of the universe. And the list goes on and on and on. And he's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. Grace the mystery of godliness that's been solved by the Lord Jesus Christ and revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. So now the mystery is, what is how can we be Christ-like? By walking in the Spirit, Right? How can we walk in the Spirit? By knowing God. Do you know your God? When's the last time you just picked up this book, and it wasn't a Sunday or a Wednesday night, but you just picked up this book and you said, God, I need you to speak to me today. God, I, I need to know more about you. Because oftentimes we read our Bibles with the intent of, God, uh, I, need to, I, I need to learn more about myself. But if you read your Bible... With the, with the feeling and the knowledge that you want to know more about God, it changes your perspective a lot. You see, you can read your Bible for you, or you can read your Bible to learn and to love your God more. It's true. And so how well do you know your God? You see, the Bible, the Bible talks about when we get saved in 1 Corinthians, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know what it calls us? We are ambassadors for Lord Jesus Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who represents for someone else. And that's what an ambassador is. My question to you tonight is, how well do you represent the Lord Jesus Christ? How well do you represent the Lord Jesus Christ? You bear his name. You bear his image. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, it shouldn't be a mystery that you're a Christian. It shouldn't be a mystery in your school, young people. It should not be a mystery in your school that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. It should not be a mystery in your workforce that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. It should not be a mystery that you love God in church. I'm not talking about you put on a mask. I'm not talking about that you, you, you put on a front and you fake it. But I'm saying the Lord has done so much for us, and it should be no mystery that a Christian is a Christian. It should be no mystery that a Christian is a Christian. You represent the Lord of Lords. You represent the King of Kings. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. You see, you see though, here's, here's the problem today. Here's the problem, that many men have made their own gods. Many people have made their own gods. And I've learned, I've learned this. People... People do what they want to do. People do what they want to do. You know what? Uh, when a man makes a God, he makes a God like himself. When a man makes his own God, he makes it just like himself. And let me say this. What you worship, you will become. What you devote yourself to and you worship and you serve, you will start becoming. Men worship what is most important to them. You will worship what is most important to you. For example, if your God is loving, you'll become more loving. If your God is good, you're becoming good. If your God is holy, you'll become holy. If your God is hateful, you'll become hateful. 
If your God is cruel, you'll become cruel. If your God is hateful and heartless, you'll become hateful and heartless. Why? Because you start becoming what you worship. And, and men often make themselves their God. I guess the real mystery is, are you becoming more like your God? Or perhaps maybe you made your God like you. When a person denies the true and living God, then they create a man-made God. When they deny the true living God, it says that in verse 15, it says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and ground of the truth. You see, what, how do we make these gods? It's, it's based off our longings, our desires, our passions. They defy what our gods really are. You see, what, what you're longing, your passion, your mission, your focus, what you serve the most, that's your God. And if it's anything else other than the true living God, that's a little g-God, and it's dead. It is dead. There's only one true living God, and it is God. Men worship what's most important to them. Men will worship what's most important to them. And I've seen many who worship drugs. I've seen many who worship pleasure. I've seen many who, celebrities, that, celebrities that have influence on young people, I've seen them worship the devil himself, openly. This is the world we live in today. You have, you have young people watching music videos Featuring Satan. Openly worshiping the devil. Openly worshiping Satan himself. That's what we have today. Rock stars with no fear of God. Men and women who have become so self-focused that they worship themselves. But as a church, I want to understand this tonight. We need to understand that the importance of the fact that God is our God. God is on the throne and he should stay there and in our hearts as well. God might be God. God is God. What I'm asking tonight, is he your God? Is he your God? How do you know if it's your God? Your longings, your passion, your desire. Your longing, your passion, and desire. And if it's on any other God, little g God, it's a dead God and it's not worth serving at all. But no, there's so much life and so much to live for in the true living God. So I'm not asking tonight if most of your life is devoted to God, I mean everything. If God took every physical blessing, how about this? If God took every physical blessing out of your life right now, think about the story of Job. Job lost everything except for his wife, which I don't know what God was trying to say right there, but Job lost it all. He lost every physical blessing, and what did he do? He worshiped God. If every single physical blessing in your life right now was taken away, was taken away from you, Let's say it this way. If any of other of your gods were taken away from you tonight, would you still worship the true living God? Would you still find time to worship the true living God? 
You see, honestly, a, a, a lot of times around Christmas time, we often get a little jealous of other people's gifts, right? How many times have you been there, right? I, you see something, you're like, wow, I wish I got a brand new car for Christmas. Yeah, so do I. But I want you to realize that tonight that really, truly, any physical blessing in your life is simply extra from God. Any physical blessing, anything physical, is truly straight from God. And so many people look at the other gifts and all around and we say, oh man, why isn't God doing something in my life? He already has. He's given you so much spiritual blessing that if tonight all the physical items in your household, you had no more house, no more car, no more shoes, no more clothes on your back, no more soup, no more food, you'd still be able to worship God because the amount of spiritual blessings compared to physical blessings doesn't even compare. You get to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, God manifest in the flesh. You get to have that. You get to have that. So my question is, are you applying the mystery of godliness to your life? Are you applying it? Right, because what is godliness? Godliness is God-likeness. God-likeness is to be Christ-like. We can follow the example of Lord Jesus Christ. And to be Christ-like is to walk in the Spirit. And to walk in the Spirit is to know God. And to know God is to walk with Him and worship Him. And to worship Him. Men will worship what is most important to them. How's your worship lately? Are you worshiping the true living God? Not only that, but you see tonight in the same verse, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Christmas Day has arrived, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Not only that, look at it, it says, it says seen of angels. Where was he seen of angels? Well, first of all, he was uh, seen at the announcing of his coming, at his birth, and then he was seen in the wilderness temptation, and in the garden of Gethsemane, and at the empty tomb, praise the Lord, and at the ascension as well. Not only that, but he was preaching among Gentiles. Young men, we need preachers. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. We need preachers. By the way, every Christian is called to preach. It's not an excuse. You might not be called a pastor. I understand that. You may not be called to full-time ministry. I understand that. But every Christian, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you signed up to be a preacher. What does it say? It says, preach the word. Every Christian. It doesn't, it doesn't say who. It says, preach it. What does preach mean? Proclaim like a herald. Man, spread the word of God like wildfire. You're a preacher. Preach. Believed on in the world. Aren't you so glad that you're surrounded with other believers tonight? And lastly, he was received up into glory, and he lives now forever at the right hand of the Father. So let me ask this. It says there at the end that he was received up into glory, which, by the way, he's not staying there. Soon he's coming back. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. But I wanted to ask tonight, 
If the Lord Jesus Christ walked into this room tonight, if he walked into the church and he started examining every single heart in here, the hearts, man, because God, God can see straight through masks. God has x-ray vision straight to the core of your heart. He knows what's going on inside. He knows what you worship. He knows what's most important to you. And he knows your desires. He knows every last one of those things. I'm asking tonight if he walked into this church, would he find hearts that long and desire to be closer to him? That long and desire to be God-like? That long to be, desire to be Christ-like? Would he find hearts that are trying to walk in the Spirit? Would he find a heart that truly desires to worship him with their whole heart? David says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Or would God find, would God find hearts that are content with a world around us, this city, and the city next to it, dying every day and dropping off into a burning hell? Would he find a heart that's content with that? Would he find a heart that says, as long as I come to church, it'll be fine, as long as I look godly? Would he find hearts that are truly after the Lord? David was a man after God's own heart. That's, that ought to be a desire of the Christian, to be a man or a woman after the Lord's own heart. So what kind of heart would he find tonight? If God had come back right now, could he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Right now. We ought to examine our hearts tonight. We ought to examine what we worship. We ought to examine what truly, truly matters to us. How do you know if something truly matters to you? You spend time with it. You spend time with what's most important to you. I said a little bit before, but men do what they want to do. People make time for what they want to make time for. There's, there's really no excuse. You make time for what's important to you. It, it's, it's not a question. It's just you do what you want to do. So I'm asking tonight, is the thing you want to do worship God? Worship the Lord. See, the... This is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. This is the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas Day. Because now we know what godliness looks like because we have the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to be like him. We want to be Christ-like. And how do we be Christ-like? By walking in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? By knowing God. How can we know God? It's so simple, and every single person in this room can do it. We get with him and spend time with him. We get with him. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about you come to church every time the doors are open. I'm glad if you do. I'm not talking about you look good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real relationship with God himself. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. 
So who's on the throne of your heart tonight? What I'm saying is how we need to apply this verse more in our life. We need to study it and, and to know how to be Christ-like. Because you won't know what Christ looks like if you never look at him. You'll never know. And you represent him. And we want to represent very well. We want to represent very well. I'll read it one last time. This is what it says in verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Is it a mystery tonight that you are a Christian? God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Aren't you so glad that God's righteousness was imputed unto you? Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. We need preachers. Believed on in the world and received up into glory. And one day he's coming back. One day he's coming back. I'm so excited that we get to celebrate this Sunday the very fact that God was manifest in the flesh, the God-man. The God-man. He wasn't just one simple guy. No, he was God. He is God. Let's pray. Lord, God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for what it teaches us, God. God, I'm thankful that you came to this earth as a baby in swaddling clothes, Lord. God, you came and, and... You came to be the propitiation for our sins. And you gave up your whole life so that we could be free. God, I pray tonight that we'd worship you like we'd never worshiped before. I pray it would be our heart's desire to know you and to follow after you, God, and never put on a front that we live godly, Lord, but that it would just reign throughout us, God. I pray we wouldn't be okay with the fact that that there's so many lost people who don't even know your name. But God, we would cry out, preach the word everywhere and send your name out into the streets of Maslin and Canton and all the other surrounding cities, God, that all the world would know the name of your son, Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. And I pray that we would be like him and we'd worship him and that he would be our God. God, I pray this in your precious, beautiful name, Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you know 